0: Coming up on the FPF pod, the Matildas get a huge win against England. Jason Cummings is he headed to India and Jordan Boss potentially going to Manchester City. That's coming up. Welcome back to another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. It's been a while, but we're uh, back with our usual uh, Friday morning podcasts, And then we, of course, have our Monday morning podcast coming out uh, later on as well uh, in a few days. But uh, for tonight, I'm joined by Cody Ajada, uh, Front Page Football contributor, host of the Front Page Dub uh, podcast as well. New episode one up. Um, When did the episode? Two days ago. Uh, now the, uh, new episode went up, uh, front page dub with a bit of a finals preview there with, uh, with Kieran Yap, who does a lot of great work, uh, in the women's football space, uh, with writing as well. Um, but yeah, Cody, uh, welcome back to the, to the main pod, the pod that, uh, you know, come on the pod that really matters, um, on this feed and, uh, yeah, great to, great to have you on.
1: I'd argue the front page dub is an excellent entry into the women's football space. It's just, it adds something to the podcast space in football um oh i like doing it i think it's a very relaxed daily women's show look the whole re- the whole purpose behind it was to kind of offer something different in that space and i think we're doing that and i hope we are getting a little bit of credit for it or well, i don't need to do it for- we don't do it for the credit but we do it for the love of the game but hopefully people are noticing hopefully hopefully people at home are enjoying it but christian i am yeah. good and mm-hmm. i want to actually just talk about you for a little bit because i think since the last time i spoke with you you've actually made your commentary debut so
0: i I, ha- a- I I did I did I actually had a pretty good week um but I didn't want to actually mention it but now you're putting me in a position where I have to gloat um so I wasn't gonna late. I was going talk about it because I thought you offered very good tactical insight in that match a very
1: um good pundit area so I thought you'd deserve a bit of public praise for it
0: well um thank you thank you uh it was a fantastic match obviously I made my uh, commentary debut in that Croydon Adelaide comets game um in the NPL. And, uh, yeah, I was also invited on a podcast, Kicking It Local, um, to talk a little bit about uh, what we're doing here. Um, And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, good stuff, good week. Um, But, um, yeah, Cody, we're mainly here, though, tonight, not to talk about me, even though that's, you know, obviously, that's great to talk about me a little bit. I love talking about you, Christian. Yeah, of course. But, um, you know, we're obviously here to talk, firstly, about the Matildas um, and the International Break, because they did have two friendlies, um, and they went one from two Although uh the win over England probably felt like it meant uh almost felt like it eradicated the loss against Scotland it was that uh, it was that monumental uh, a result but um yeah it starts with a 1-0 loss to Scotland then a 2-0 win against England they've snapped their 30 game win streak England's 30 game win streak 30 games
1: it's, winning it's it's in nice a row. to
0: think about when you put it that well, in that regard like so I three
1: like, uh, Serena, uh Serena Weigman, I hope I've got her name correct uh, mm. she's done you can't discredit. It. She's done a fantastic job with that England side. And you're talking about a country that demands success. And you see that pressure, especially in the men's game, really take a toll on the squad. Mm-hmm. I think that's the main reason why they do struggle to take that last step when it actually comes to winning trophies. So, for what she's done with the women's team to really get the country rallying behind them and maybe even in a way taking that pressure off because they've just become such a lovable team, which you don't really say that often about England side. Yeah. So, absolutely fantastic job what she's done on the field and off the pitch for that team can't discredit it. And it just makes it all the more sweeter that it was the Matildas to kind of well, run in the butt.
0: Yeah. I just couldn't believe when I saw, when I was hearing about the 30 games thing, I just assumed straight away it was like unbeaten. So like, you know, draws wins, which is still incredible in itself. But then when, when I actually found out it was winning, uh, that was kind of ridiculous, but no,
1: no, I think it was draws in there as well. Oh, there it was? Was, it was 30 games I, I, undefeated,
0: see, but mind you,
1: 26 of those were wins. I hope I've got my numbers right there, but there was definitely okay because draws.
0: maybe, or maybe, maybe the source which I got it from, uh, which I think was actually Peter Philopoulos at the FA, who tweeted thirty wins. So I don't know if he maybe just made a mistake, this word, but maybe I'm it was. Yeah,
1: sure, it was twenty six wins and four draws. Which yeah, is which is still, very, I mean, very impressive.
0: <laughs> yeah. So anyway, enough talk about England because, um, you know, as I said, it was snapped and and matilda Matildas um, got the job done. Sam Kerr, Charlie Grant, uh, getting her first goal as well um okay first question and I already saw the reaction straight away and I was kind of like look I get it it's a huge win like huge win massive but at the same time I also felt three days ago we were questioning what was going on and they had the loss against Scotland and it was like what's kind of happening here so it was kind of there seems to be one extreme to the other when you kind of come out of two results I think but of course, it's a huge win, and when you look at it in isolation, you've got to give it the credit it deserves, but I don't think this means like instantly overnight now the Matildas are you know surefire favorites or anything like that for for the for the World cup. Well, we've never been favorites of the World Cup, and we still aren't. I think England still are the favorites
1: that's what makes this win so special. That's right. why I'm kind of glad we are giving it the respect it deserves. It's a weird one because I have seen people and it may be people from England doing this actually where. They're sitting there going, "Oh, why are we going on so much about it? It's a friendly, yada yada yada." We've beaten a very, very good side, and aside that, we just spoke for two minutes about their their previous under. Yeah, I, I
0: don't, I, I don't agree with that because it's yeah, okay, it's just a friendly, but this is also into your final preparations before the World Cup, so I think it's a different type of friendly.
1: Look, I, I understand where yeah, look, you don't want to say, "Oh, look at us, look how good we are" because of a friendly win. At the end of the day, you would rather see it in a competitive match, and that's probably one thing mm. that does concern me with this result. Where and it's probably me just being superstitious, but us beating and being happy about it in a friendly and there's a very, very good possibility that we are gonna face England some stage in the tournament if we can go deep into it. I if I had to pick which one I wanted to win, I'd be happy to take a loss now if it meant we we're beating him in a semi final. But look, that's me being superstitious. That's me kind of worrying about the future, but we're in the present. Let's let's be happy in the present because we should be happy with that win. And I I'm gonna say that probably ten times for the rest of this part of the podcast, so used to it
0: okay but just just bear in mind that um you know the listeners want to hear some different takes um uh, as well
1: i have different takes don't worry i i know how to come out with some negative <laughs> comments so i know how to question them and, the, and well the- you know how to be negative
0: Jeez. yeah there's definitely really?
1: things that we there's still questions that need to be asked the matildas i don't think everything's yeah. sunshine and roses there's a lot that are sunshine and roses at the moment mm-hmm. um, i'm definitely i'm definitely happy with them but i think there are still some questions that we can be answered i'm sure you're gonna ask me those questions christian
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, And yeah, I just guess, I guess that it's kind of fair for for people to get carried away. Um, But at the same time, I mean, when you look at the Matildas, I guess this year, I mean, the Cup of Nations, they were very good. They were very strong. They looked good. Um, But then they just seem to have this odd result every now and then. And look, you can't win every game, but where it's kind of like... Maybe they're not creating much and then they look kind of blunt going forward and then they concede a cheap goal, which is basically, I'm basically summarizing the Scotland game a little bit here, right? Um, and you just got to worry about going into a major tournament, how if you're not at the races every game and a team just rocks up and and picks you apart on any given day. And I think that's that's a little bit of a worry, particularly when, you know, the other thing about hosting a World Cup is that, you know, the pressure is increased, uh, of course. So... There are some concerns concerns there. What I guess, what issues did you maybe take away from the Scotland game? Um, and did you see them, I guess, did you see them rectified in the England game straight away? Or do you think it's something that's persistent, which Tony still needs to kind of go away, have a look at ahead of, uh, ahead of July?
1: If If I'm being honest, <clears throat> sorry. If I'm being honest, I gen- I look at that Scotland game and I think it's just kind of a little bump in the road. Before that, well, well seven games unbeaten, seven games mm. winning in a row. If you're talking about a result like that, maybe if it happened 12 months ago between the Asian Cup and then that run of losses that we had, which included that defeat to Spain, the Canada Series. If that was happening at that time, then and it was just kind of bundled into that kind of sequence of results, which were quite poor. And not just the results of performances were quite poor as well. 100% I'd have concerns. But I think the biggest thing that we've got now, we've kind of got our mojo back a little bit where it does feel like confidence is fine. I think this team plays on confidence a little bit. If... That result against Scotland happened and then we went and lost to England. You ta- if we lost England isolated and we won that Scotland game, I'd probably be saying we have no concerns either. But I, the biggest thing I see from this Matilda side is it is a side that plays probably a bit too much on confidence. You look what happened in that last little mm. period where we had that defeat to Spain not long after we got knocked out of the Asian Cup. Yeah, we had the New Zealand series in between that. Disregard that. We had the Asian Cup loss. We lost to Spain. We couldn't rectify it against Portugal. The Canada Series came around. We played absolutely shocking in that first game. The second game, we were winning, and then we just didn't seem to have that kind of winning mentality anymore where we could see a game out where Tony's definitely tried to instill a kind of performance-first approach in friendlies, and I think that was costing us in results. But then we went to that South Africa game, we nipped that run, ended up with our confidence back. If we had have lost this England game going into the World Cup, I think we would have really struggled because going in for two, if we were going in the back of two losses, that France game, you don't know what's going to happen there. France are a good side. If we lose that game as well, you're going in three losses, guarantee you we don't win that Ireland game. So for us to come back the way we did, I think it shows, I think that's probably the thing that I want to point out the most. The fact that there is that mentality shift where we can sit there and go, yep, we lost that game, but we can move on from it.
0: Yeah, we're well, kind of stuck to their hmm. guns.
1: Um definitely I think we do look a little bit better when we don't have more of the ball. And maybe in the group stage that's probably going to be a little bit of a concern playing against sides like Ireland who are probably another side like Scotland where they'll want to give us the ball as much as well. Well, that,
0: that's that's the thing. It comes back to being the host team. I think that teams are going to be more than happy to sit back and let the crowd kind of put pressure on on the Matildas, you know. I don't and feel let... the pressure but... I, I don't
1: I don't I don't feel that there's a lot of pressure on the Matildas. There's a lot of people that
0: no, I know you don't. I know you don't. I'm just saying when you're a player and you, and you're going to step out, you know, uh, into that stadium, Australia with 80,000 screaming fans, like, you know, naturally, naturally, there's going to be that weight of expectation. And I mean, it's probably just more of a case of who can handle it and who won't. Um, but you hope, of course, you know, Sam Kerr, Claire Polkinghorn, you know, these guys who have got experience and have been in big games can, can lead the way.
1: I think. The best thing that you can say out of it is and it's not really I don't I don't mean this in a way like a dig, but there's not a lot of women footballers on this planet that are used to playing in front of crowds that size. You may be looking mm-hmm. at the Barcelona team. Yeah. And anyone that's played in maybe an FA Cup final. I know they've hit kind of the forty, fifty thousand mark for those. And maybe England, I know they've been getting some crowds for um the national side. They've obviously had the Euros where they were playing in front of to I think they hit ninety thousand for. Final, actually. So yeah, they're probably used to playing in front of those crowds too. But when you go up against like your Islands, your Nigerias, they're not going to have that same experience. So in that regard, I don't. Both sides are going to have something different to kind of work with. We do have a number of Matildas that have played in those games, like the FA Cup, that have really drawn a crowd. Especially you've got three girls that have played in front of some big crowds at Arsenal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's it's. I don't think that aspect of it's going to play too much of a part. At least not as much of a part as what you'd expect it to.
0: Yeah yeah, no I think it's a good point. Um so I guess moving on then and talking about that first game in particular against Ireland. If you had to look at it right now and the team that could have started against England but also just the recent starting elevens that Tony's been kind of going with and trusting um who would you say I guess are the definite locks, who's kind of 50-50, who's you know you're thinking is maybe definitely their spot is open for someone else to take?
1: Oh, look, it's, 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 it's a funny one because mm. I look at this squad and as much as that Scotland game probably didn't go the way we want it to, there's also not a lot of changes that I'd make. I think, look, there's, there's the obvious one with, um, Larissa Kramer. I think it's, uh, kind of a widespread. Ma- mark
0: it, mark it down. It took, it took 12 minutes. Um, but, uh, Cody brought up actually, Larissa Kramer. Uh,
1: I got involved with um the Matildas active Twitter space um, during that game as well, which was good fun actually. If you're on Twitter during a Matildas game, uh, get around them. There's some some very very good banter in the middle of that. But um yeah, while I was on it, there was it was a good solid five minutes of just why is Larissa Crummer playing? And in a way, I feel bad because I do like her as an A-League women's striker. I personally, if she if my A-League women's club were to sign her. I would be perfectly happy. I'd be I'd be fine with it. But you need a high level of ability and a high level of form for the Matilda squad, and in both those aspects, mm-hmm. she is not hitting it.
0: But uh, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play Devil's Advocate here for you. And obviously, she signed for Brand in Norway, joining um joining Tamika Yallop uh over over there and the Scandinavian leagues have well not all the Scandinavian leagues but uh Norway and Sweden have recently kicked off USA's kicked off as well so she is one of many players now who have got that opportunity from now until the world cup starts to find that form and get those minutes and continue i guess maybe not where she left off with Brisbane but definitely in terms of minutes can continue that
1: you're talking about a Brisbane side as well that looked better when she was moved out of the striker role as well. I'm t- if, if, True. Look, it sounds harsh, but if she's going to change my mind about her spot in this Matilda squad, she is going to have to blow that league right out of the park. Like I'm not, I'm not talking go there, score a goal or two, play okay, press well, whatever the hell Tony's looking for. I'm talking definitely well pressing.
0: Yeah. T- Tony, you know, you you said before it was funny. You said before, um, you know, Tony like kind of takes a different approach, like the friendlies. You know what Tony's favorite term or phrases to describe friendlies? It's tournament mode, tournament mode games. We have to treat them as tournament mode. He said he's, he's constantly been saying that. And look, I totally agree. I totally agree. You know, when you're when you're going into a World Cup where the Matildas have probably. I don't want to say as good as chances ever because, and I'll be honest, I'm not as familiar with the with the history of the of the previous World Cups that Matildas are at. But it feels like you know that they could definitely be in the mix. So to treat it like this is right. But back on the kind of crummer point, do you think how important do you think though like that role actually is as a backup striker? Because yeah, okay, you don't want to put all the goal scoring burden on Sam Kerr, but obviously you know we're going to have Caitlin Ford, we're going to have um uh Corny Vine, Hadley Razo, you know these guys as well. So how important is it? To have a backup striker or backup wingers that can contribute, when do you think that is actually going to become important in the tournament, though?
1: And look, there's also the fact that Kai Simon could be coming back as well from injury. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how her progress is tracking, but I know the target is to be ready for the World Cup. It's Look, we've got someone like Sam Kerr. She's going to play the majority of the minutes at the tournament. Yeah. But it's also a thing of, yeah, look, if we're... <clears throat> sorry. If we're, say, one nil down in that opening game, you want someone that's gonna, that you can have confidence that's going to come on and make a difference. I don't have that confidence in Kromer. I think that's the best way to say it. I think there's... I could name four strikers off the top of my head right now that could do a better job.
0: Let's go. Let's go. Name them.
1: Yeah, name them. Uh, Remy Simpson, Michelle Heyman, Chelsea Dorber, Molina Iz. That's that's four right there. Dorber, you me,
0: still. You think Chelsea Dorber's still got a chance to, to make the World Cup? No,
1: I don't I think No, yeah, I, I wouldn't think so okay, either. I think that should sell. I think if yeah. anyone's going as a backup striker, it's going to be Larissa Crummer. I'm just yeah. saying I don't agree with it. If I had to pick one, I, I think Doran Heyman. The in, door was in that window. Yeah, Hayman, well, I reckon that ship's sailed as well. I, he's not going to pick anyone that he hasn't tried and tested. So yeah, yeah. if it's not going to be Crummer, it's going to be Remy Simpson. And in all honesty, out of those names that I rattled off, Simpson's not at the top of that list. Michelle no, Heyman is. No, yeah. Next one's Melina Ayres. Melina Ayres is a fantastic striker. And honestly, if you went for her injury record, Maybe she might have had a go on the Matildas. I don't know. I don't like. I don't know how Tony's mind works. Unfortunately, I don't think many people do. Do you
0: uh, think you end up? Is, do you think you end up regretting the Heyman decision? Maybe, or like the decision not to feature Heyman, maybe at the Cup of Nations, for example, and actually give her that chance.
1: The only reason why he won't regret it is if we go and win the tournament, or if we go deep into the tournament. Yeah. Look, he's got. he's lucky in a sense that we're fighting over the backup to Sam Kerr and. Probably there is a good, a fair chance that Ford, Fowler, Simon, Rasso, Vine would fill that role before, he needs to turn to mm. a designated backup number nine. So it's it's almost as pointless an argument as what we had around the whole um, Langerak Vukovic debate when the men's World Cup squad was announced. It's true, it's a bit, a bit it, tiresome. It's not going to yeah. mean much in the end, but it's fun to talk about in a way. And I hate, mm. like I said, I hate piling on Crummer. I do respect her as a footballer. But there, we need a certain caliber of player for the Matildas, and she's not reaching it. But um, you mentioned before what changes I'd make. The obviously off the back of the Scotland game, I think if I look at how, how the team performed in that game, just
0: in general though, like because we know like there are certain locks over the pit. You know, you know, like obviously Sam Kerr, you the know, thing, Claire yeah, Polk. Yeah,
1: the locks are obvious. Like Sam Kerr, Ellie Carpenter. The moment that she was dead yeah. from injury, she was obviously going to come in. Yeah, you could name. Just Most of things. it, yeah. There's Most of it, I think, locks. is kind of yeah. You there's, know what I mean? At least fifteen locks. Like I could rattle on. Um, I'm talking starting eleven
0: now. here. I'm just talking starting eleven. Oh, for now. starting
1: eleven. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That's, what I, mean. that's, that's what, what I mean. That's what I mean. So saying, saying, what I'm saying, is,
0: no, no, no. Final twenty-three. Jesus Christ. Um, well, <laughs> well, we might just if we get a chance. Um, I might just ask you if there's any kind of um, any like late kind of call-ups you could see, like surprise call-ups at the end. But just on starting eleven, like you have a look. Okay, Mackenzie Arnold. Yep. You know, Steph Catley. Yep. Yeah, Kenny yeah.
1: probably just confirmed herself now, especially after these yeah. last four or five games. But mm. it's funny because 12 months ago she's probably that's at number three as well. It's interesting. Mm. Very good and,
0: Yeah, and then you got like Claire Polkinghorn. Okay, but then maybe who's next to Claire Polkinghorn, right? That's, because that's, 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 that's the interesting one. Be interesting one. Claire yeah.
1: Polkinghorn's a lock, and she has to be, she's our number one setback in the country. Yeah. Alana Kennedy, I know she's battling a bit of fitness, depending on I know she's not getting some good game time at um, Melbourne City. Man City, but that's also because of her fitness issues. Um, Claire Hunt, I was gonna say she's the one that's come in. And I don't know if she had a great game against Scotland, but you've also got to take into consideration, I'm ninety percent sure that's the first time that she's travelled internationally for football. And if you're travelling from Australia to England, that's not an easy fight to make and then you're trying to back it up at an international level. Of course she was gonna be a bit rusty. And the England game probably proved how good she can be at that level and hopefully put her in the shop window as well. But um, yeah, the definitely that centre-back spot, that final centre-back spot is going to be great. Uh, it's going to be a nice little battle for it, and I reckon maybe that France game might decide it, but mm. you look at the back line as a whole, obviously you've got your locks. Claire uh Catley, if she's fit, Ellie Carpenter, and then behind it you've got obviously the two centre-backs we've mentioned, uh, Courtney Nevin, she's most likely back up on one flank of the full, of the defence line, Charlie Grant. Um, her rise has been incredible. And if yeah. Catley's not fit or even half fit, you can expect her to start as well. So the thing is, talking about starting 11, it's actually quite hard because, yeah, you could probably say Catley's a lock, but is Catly going to be fit for the tournament? Is she going to go in under an injury cloud? And we need someone like Charlie Grant to step up. So someone who maybe traditionally should be a lock is, is just not a lock simply for fitness concerns. Moving forward, um, the centre of the park, I, I'd be very surprised if our centre is in Cooney Cross and Gorey, They were absolutely fantastic. And um, I know I always talked about with you, and I like relating back to them because I know that's what kind of your more area of expertise, but um, our argument of, is Craig Goodwin a world-class player? You can't have that argument when it comes to Katrina Gory and Kyra Cooney Cross. They're two absolutely fantastic players, and we're blessed that we've got that amount of world-class players in the Matildas. And,
0: and a young one fine. like Cooney Cross as well.
1: Oh yeah, it's I I, mm. I can't even think how she is off the top of my head, but yeah. she's younger than me. I'm only twenty three. I like <laughs> to think oh, I haven't entered my prime yet. Um, it's, it's crazy. Well, is, that for,
0: uh, is that for? Is uh, that for? Where do you play? So, Where do you play? Social again?
1: I play for AC United. They're all age nines. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 good fun down here. But no, I'm talking. I'm just being in general. Like the fact yep. that she's very very early twenties and able to play at the level that she has. It was. It was funny, there was a rumour that went around that she was about to sign for, I can't remember what club it was, but it was a club in the English Championship that um, was looking, that was reported that was looking at Cooney Cross. And the Australian Soccer Twitter went into meltdown because it's like, oh, what the hell is she doing? She's too good for the Championship, yada, yada, yada. Turns out the journalist got the name wrong. But um, I'd like to think ever since then she's proven she's definitely too good for the English Second Division. Yeah,
0: no, for sure. Um, I think a couple of things are interesting is that, you know, you rattle off the names there before you know, Fowler, if Kyle Simon comes back, we talk Courtney Vine, Hayley Russell. Like, going forward, the Matildas have got some serious options and, and some serious depth, which is very good. Um, And the other thing which is interesting uh, to remember is that, and I remember Tony saying this, uh, Tony Gustafson, in the, in the, around the Cup of Nations, and he was saying, he was talking about the Matildas having a 90-minute lineup. And what he meant by that was, so it's not about what necessarily, you know, what team we start with. It maybe could be, you know, the team that we close with is more important in terms of, you know, after we make our subs, how is that going to look? Or, you know, what different options, what different type of player is actually going to help us in this sort of game? So that's going to be really interesting um, because, you know, it might be a case where it's, you know, you're playing islands they're sitting deep, you need to go, okay, maybe it's like an Alex Chidiak who needs to come on and try and unlock the defense. You know what I mean? So that's, that's kind of how he's going to look at it, I think. And I think that's a, you know, I think he's very much, you can see he's, He's definitely you know, been to tournaments before. He knows exactly how he needs to approach this. What I like is that he's trying to actually make sure that they've got an identity and it's not just kind of, let's just chuck out this lineup and just hope our kind of quality wins over. Because I think that's a really dangerous thing when you've got a good team to just kind of take advantage of its quality in a way. But the Matildas seem to their pressing game. You mentioned it is good. Uh, weirdly, it's almost like the Socceroos, and the Matildas are m- mirroring each other a little bit when the way they kind of play, where it's really kind of relying on that pressing a little bit as well. So that's going to be that's going to be really important. Um, come come the uh, Women's World Cup, last one uh, before we take a break. What's um, could you see anyone who hasn't maybe played in these two friendlies or maybe did feature in the Cup of Nations but then was dropped for this friendly, uh, for this uh, international window, and maybe just suddenly hitting around a run of form and coming back in and being a late kind of call up for for the uh, for the World Cup?
1: Um, the short answer is no. Mm. But it's not because we don't have the talent. Like, look, I I genuinely believe we could take two scores of twenty three to the World Cup and both of them would at least make the final stage. Um, but, Jesus, all you know, right, that's a big
0: statement. Anyway.
1: It is, it's a big statement, but it's one that I'm prepared to back. I, I genuinely believe we've got so much football talent in this country and this place that probably don't get a look in. Like I said, someone like Melina Ayers is a fantastic mm-hmm. footballer. You have got someone like at least Kellen Knight who uh, or, got uh, her, yeah, yep. legend the Matildas, but she doesn't look like she's going to be anywhere near the World Cup squad, mainly because of once again fitness concerns. Mm. The fact that we've had. The fact that we've had so many injury concerns going into this tournament, we just still found a way to really keep results going, especially in recent times. It shows the quality of kind of the first squad that we have. So I think if anything, it's just the ones that are going to be making a late charge for it are the ones that are battling to get fit before us. So like Ikaia Simons, stuff Catleys, they're probably the only ones that are kind of going to come in and shake things up. But I don't think there's going to, I, I think it's too late. And I know, Tony, like we spoke about, you spoke about how he's, very stringent with how he plans things. He's very, you know, mm. I don't know what the word is, and I was trying to think about it. On front meticulous, well. meticulous. Meticulous. There we go. That's is why I'm, I'm here. This is of.
0: exactly why I'm here.
1: Yeah, my human encyclopedia or dictionary, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But um, <laughs> the fact that like he does think that far ahead, he's used all the players that he wants to give a go. He knows who his 23 are. I don't think a late run of form is going to change that. And that's yeah. probably unfortunate in a way. I do like a bolter.
0: It's unfortunate, but I see it's actually good to have that consistency in a way as well. So I can understand where he's, um, yeah, where he's coming from.
1: Christian, you've asked me a lot of questions. Can I ask you one? Yeah. How far do you think this team goes?
0: Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I think, uh, look, here's our answer. I won't because I think we've got to see closer to the tournament how everyone else is kind of shaping up. And if there's any, like, because who knows? Like, some of the other top teams could have. A late injury to a key player, and it kind of changed your perception entirely, right? Um, but and you know, when the Matildas play France, what if the Matildas just get like battered by France all of a sudden? It's like, oh, panic stations, like you know, this it, stop is so it's all about that recency bias, uh, which people kind of let seep into their opinions. If I'll say, I'll frame it like this I think that if the Matildas don't at least make the quarterfinals, I think that's a failure, yeah. Um, and 100%. Our, yeah, I agree, yeah. You. even, yeah.
1: Taking recency bias into it, you look at how this tournament plays out. I'll be honest, we should be coming first in our group. I don't care how good Canada are. We are better and we should be showing that we're better. When it comes to the round of 16, we either play England you'd expect to win their group. So it's either Denmark yeah, or China. That's, yeah, that's, that's they're what they're I better mean. Yeah. Than both of them. And then you get to the quarterfinals, then you're hitting a France or Brazil. Well, if you- we're playing Brazil, I'd back us to go through that actually quite easy. I'd be disappointed if we get knocked out to Brazil. Well, just, just
0: last thing. Yeah, it's good that you reminded me of that because I just remembered as well that if the Matilda's actually finished second, then most likely they are going to play England uh, in the round of 16. So, just don't I mean, finish second. don't finish second. Exactly. <laughs> right. No, but in all seriousness, you know, don't, you know, it's it's it's, it's absolutely important. And they, they need to go off to a flyer. They've got to make sure in that island game that they, you know, kind of let everyone know who's boss. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's that's important. It's a really important game. That first one to kind of set you up. This France game is going to be interesting as well because I mean, if they beat France after beating England, then it's kind of like okay, well, you know, now this team maybe is starting to show um, its its credentials a but bit more. To what's that?
1: I can't hope we lose that France game.
0: Because <laughs> you're want to
1: Lose too much. I just I don't want to go in with if you if you go off if you go into a tournament like this off the back of beating England and France, suddenly everyone's looking out for you. I'd rather if we yeah, lose yeah. France. Take a bit of pressure off us, and it may be like a little bit of a humbling before the tournament starts. Like I, I'm thinking of this very, very deeply and mentally. Of course, I'd Clearly. love to beat France, but you know what? We have the tournament to do that. We can beat them. We can beat them in, in on the bigger stage. Um, we True. can beat them in on a nice Saturday night in Brisbane, and we can go out to wherever Brisbane people go to on a Saturday night.
0: Oh, okay. I right. don't know where it is. Someone maybe we could. Uh, maybe, maybe we could ask Maybe we could ask Larissa Crummer. I'm Cody.
1: Hey, if she's there and she's, I'm, I'm happy to go out there to celebrate Matilda's win 100%. If, if the Matildas win that quarterfinal in Brisbane, I am celebrating with every single person in that stadium wherever they go. Uh, we are having fun. That's the whole point of the World Cup. <laughs> I want to have fun. I want to enjoy this. That's the, the biggest thing. This is the single biggest sport. That's true. I know. No, but particularly this big.
0: one. Yeah. Particularly this one with all the stuff that's around it, with the kind of the Legacy 23 stuff that Football Australia are doing as well. Like, there, it is. It is a little bit of a beyond kind of football thing uh as well but not yeah but you're talking yeah. about
1: legacy I'm talking about in the moment right now those 30 something days I'm just no I'm just talking about what
0: the, the tournament means as well oh, it, that, yeah.
1: it means a lot but I'm talking like this is 30 days of a lot of people from overseas coming to oh, yeah. Australia yeah. and it transcends football because they'll be enjoying our country mm. they'll be interacting with local people we'll be interacting with people from all over the world it's a fantastic thing and hey I- Cody
0: and Cody, it won't just be in New South Wales either. Exactly, and I,
1: I'm actually looking forward to going to places other than New South Wales to watch football.
0: I don't know. I don't know. Believe if it listeners... or not,
1: Danny Townsend. People can travel from. New <laughs> okay, South Wales okay, to... good,
0: good, good. I was, I was just trying to check if, if, uh, if you or the listeners actually caught on the uh, joke that I was uh, just, just kind of subtly yeah, yeah, uh, putting look, in there.
1: Believe it or not, I enjoy going out, and I can't wait to watch the Matildas in Brisbane and Melbourne for the group stage games. I may make an appearance in Adelaide, Christian, for you, but I guess we'll work that out.
0: Ooh. later. Alright, you to see me. All right. This uh this review probably went a little bit uh, longer than I was hoping. So uh yeah, let's take a quick break. Okay, so changing course now. Uh there's been a couple of spicy A League uh transfer rumors uh come out this week, but more more exits, um, which is kind of yeah. But you know, for, for two soccer though, so very, very interesting. The first one we'll talk about is uh, Jason Cummings, who's uh, been linked to, to Indian Super League Club ATK Mohan Bagan. And I do not know if I pronounce that uh, correctly. And feel free in the comments... Comment to to let me know if I've not, but uh, yeah, that's that's Demi Petrados' club uh, actually, um, and they have just won their first ever title uh, in the Indian Super League recently. Uh, Demi Petrados was arguably their best player um, too, and it looks like Jason Cummings is going to join him there because it seems like it's the talks are at an advanced stage. So, just straight off the bat, what are your what are your initial thoughts uh, when you read this?
1: Um, initial thoughts: It doesn't happen. Uh, that, was, that was the first thing I said. The first thing, I, the first thing I thought when I saw that rumor was, "Yeah, no,
0: this won't happen." The next one that came, I'm out... gonna, I'm gonna bring a strong counter um, for to this um, very soon. If you want to finish your point,
1: no, I think the I saw something else a little bit later on. I think it was actually something that the chairman said. That
0: there we go. Was... Yep, and here's my strong counter. So here's the, the some field... quotes, hey, Cody. Here's some quotes from Arizona Richard Peel for you. All okay. right, now, okay, here's. A couple of quotes which support your view for sure. Um, and it's kind of conflicting the way he was talking. But first one was I'd be surprised if it was India. Then he also said it would have to be a big money offer. So okay, you read that and you think, okay, maybe this is kind of a you know, bullshit rumour, this, that, and the other. But then he mentioned this, which always makes me worried when like a chairman or a coach says this about one of his players. Who knows where Jason will end up, but there's a good chance he will go. So obviously a good chance he will go. So this could obviously mean he's saying, you know, he could actually go somewhere else that isn't India. That's for sure. This, that, but, that
1: was, that was going to be my point.
0: I, I'd, I'd be yeah.
1: surprised if he's in the A-League next season. And in all honesty, considering the caliber of strikers we are coming through, Nick D'Agostino has just kicked off in Norway. Brandon Burrell is doing really well. I think if, <clears throat> if Jason Cummings wants to maintain a spot in the Socceroos squad, he probably does need to leave the Mariners, and it's sad to say because we do love we love Jason Cummings in the A League. It's it's great. He's but, he's but does he? I, does he have to leave the Mariners? I don't. I think so. I think I'd love. To, I'd like to see him tested at a high level. I'd like to see him pushing. Yeah, but hang on, more. but hang on, I like think pushing for Champions League football, Asian Champions League football.
0: No, that's true. That's true. But you just said you mentioned Borello as one of those players there, right? But I mean, the Mariners and Wanderers are neck and neck in the table right now, and both of them have been playing well. So it's not like Borello's you know, 10 steps ahead of Jason Cummings right now. Yeah, okay, he's definitely in, of late. He's been better. But just comparing two situations in isolation like that, I don't think it's like a have to move, is it?
1: In a way, yes, because if Jason Cummings does it, then it probably puts the pressure back on borella to maybe leave the Wanderers as well, or really step up and maybe hit Jason, uh, Jamie McLaren numbers in the L league. Because if mm-hmm. I'll be honest, if we want, look, we know where League's place is on the food chain, to quote Antonis. We our priority should be developing players. And if we're gonna I love seeing A League players caught up into Soccer squad, but I think we do need to hit a point where if we are gonna call our players in the A League, they need to be playing at the caliber of a uh, Jamie McLaren or uh, Jordan Bos, uh, I guess Brendan Borello as of late, but or Aiden O'Neill, which and you're seeing a common thing with what I'm saying. The players that are starting playing for the top team. Yeah. Playing for the top team. Like, like we do need to move past the point where and I know this isn't a recency thing, but There was a stage where you could be in the bottom team in the A-League and pushing for a soccerers call-up because you're a half-season footballer. That We need to move past that. We have the quality that is better than that. And I think we should be focusing on you need to be at the upper echelon like upper upper echelon of footballers. Echelon, mate. Echelon. Echelon. I, I, I didn't do well in English. Okay.
0: Coming this is back. see, see again. This is why I'm here. I'm not here. Listen, I'm not here really to provide good football analysis. I don't do that. I'm just an encyclopedia. You just correct all of us. Yeah, that's but, right. Um,
1: no, but uh, if Jason Cummings goes to India, he'd be stupid too because that will essentially end his soccer his career. But I'd like to see. You, I'd like to see make a move to somewhere like a Japan. A good club in Japan, where maybe he could compete for Asian Champions League football, or somewhere maybe even. I think the MLS yeah. was touted as well, which I actually think would be a good. Match. I think that would be a
0: great fit for him. Yeah, like no, it's, it's similar yeah.
1: lifestyle. Obviously, yeah. Australia is objectively a better country, but yeah, you could still sit somewhere on the like get on the west coast, like California, Los Angeles. It'd mm. be a hoot there. They'd love him. They'd eat him up. And if he goes there, scores goals, yeah. Not to disrespect the league, but the MLS is a higher level. So. If he's no, proven until sure. somewhere there, he's, yeah. he's the lock and he's the lock for the Socceroos.
0: Yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, and just a uh, like unfortunate for like the Indian Super League's PR that they still can't um, get uh, any any A League fans to respect them uh, in any way, shape, or form. So um, yeah, just just kind of hard out. They can't just because hard play- out to them.
1: The the players that go over there are, tend to be the ones that are struggling in the A League. Like you look at someone like Demi Petralos. Petralos is a great footballer, but his last the last season he played in the A League wasn't was not good mm. enough. True. So he's gone over there. He's torn apart the Indian Super maybe got torn apart. But he's oh no 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 no
0: no 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 he's torn it apart. Oh okay. <laughs> look, I, I'm not the, I'm twelve not, goals and seven assists this season with Demi Petralos. That, he, that's, and that's he, good numbers. And he scored twice. Uh, uh, hang trying. on, hang on, hang on. Because cause I've just I've been monitoring it. So, he, he scored twice in the Indian Super League final as well and scored in the shootout that they ultimately won. So Yeah. So, look, he's done well over there. And, yeah. look, he's
1: probably someone that could probably play at an A-League level, but he's not going to pull those numbers at an A-League level. It's I've always seen it as kind of an in-between stage, like closer to the A-League, but like kind of an in-between like, oh, yeah, I'm not quite at an A-League level, but I'm too good to play in the NPL. So, like I need to play professional football. Yeah. I'll go to India because you're also going to get
0: paid a hell of a lot better in India. No, for sure. Um, and for Cummings, I mean, like the the problem as well for him, I think, is that, and this is also because, you know, Mitch Duke has been, you know, playing like Zlatan, of course, um, of late for the Socceroos. But Cummings, in his limited appearances, and you could even go back to the World Cup, he hasn't really done much for the Socceroos yet. And look, it's harsh to say it like that, but it is a game of like, when you get to international football, it's cutthroat. Like you do have to kind of impress in those cameos when you come on, right? Uh like Brandon Borello in that second game against Ecuador, he scores, and now it's like, okay, he's at the forefront of striking selections for, for Graham Arnold now. Um, whereas someone like Jason Cummings, he didn't really have that moment for the Socceroos yet. So now I agree with you where if he goes to a place like India, where he's even further now out of sight of kind of like the the national team, um, you know, the the manager, uh, Graham Arnold's. Um, kind of eyesight and kind of radar, then it kind of effectively, it doesn't end his Socceroos career because he could obviously either come back to the A-League or, or go to another league in Europe or go maybe even back to Scotland and, and then start scoring goals again and he could be back in the mix. But it definitely puts it temporarily on hold. That's for sure.
1: It's, it's interesting you mentioned Scotland because I'll be honest, <laughs> as much as that's where we want players to go, I think Jason Cummings going back to Europe and in particular the United Kingdom could actually be a worse mistake than going to India because he goes back there, the media pressure's back on him. It's like, oh, okay, our, um, the guy that kind of kept losing his head and doing whatever he wants. Yeah. He some professional yeah. person. I've ever seen mm. is back. How's he been after being in Australia? He's under that media pressure again and he'll falter. He's come to a place where he's been able to get away from kind of everything that was following him in the past. He's been somewhere where not just fans, but media personnel are lapping him up. They love him. They want to see him do his thing. And he's also combined that with probably an increased professionalism in his own personal self. And it's actually been, it's it's kind of been a perfect storm for him. I think he'd need to go somewhere where he can kind of have that balance of professionalism and fun, which we all know he likes, but will also be in a position where the country and its surrounds will allow that. And that's why I kind of think I look at the MLS and think that's probably the best place for him to go. Mm. Japan. I don't know how much they'd like kind of the laid back side of him. I know they're a very, Jason,
0: Jason Cummings in Japan. Unreal.
1: It'd be on, it'd, I think football wise, it'd probably make the most sense. I think he'd actually do really well there. I think, fun. I think,
0: if, I think the MLS one does. I, I, I I'm, I'm with you there. I think, um, if I'm Jason Cummings' agent, I'm going to give Milos X agent a call and see if we can do a, uh,
1: I don't know about Milos X agent because I don't know how he, well he'd do it somewhere like Columbus. I don't know where Columbus is based. I'm not, no, I don't good. know either, but I'm just uh, saying I'm to rhetoric, help him but but si- I'm thinking...
0: I no, but I, what I'm coast. saying, listen, what I'm saying is, and you see, this with like Conor Metcalf now, where if you join a Socceroos teammate at one of those clubs and start and you simulate in that environment, it's going to make it easier. That's that's how I look at it. At it,
1: yeah, but I, I just think he'd be better off somewhere, somewhere on the east coast or west coast, somewhere where he can kind of live that beach lifestyle, have a bit of fun, you know. So that that, that, that
0: that's west coast, mate. It's
1: both coasts, isn't it? Oh, that east coast is more like New York, isn't it? That's it's boring. Go to California. Send me <laughs> somewhere in California. <laughs> hey, God, Cody's um, not on any American sports podcast. No, I I don't really enjoy America as a country. I just know that the football league's okay. Uh, there's not much that I'll, there's not many good things I can say about America, unfortunately. Like, yeah, everyone everyone always says America is going to a uh, great holiday destination. I couldn't think of anywhere worse to go. You, have, you like Hawaii, to Amer- have you been to? Have you been to
0: America? I've been to Hawaii. So you haven't even been to America.
1: I haven't been to America, and I don't plan. And, on yeah, your and your plan. you're passing judgment. I, I am passing judgment because from what I see from here, it's a shit
0: show. That's that's um, for a political podcast. No comment. No comment. All right. Uh, let's let's <laughs> let's move on. Look, anyway, no, the Justin, point is, anyway, Justin, Justin Cummings, Cummings' MLS is good. Basically, come dog. If you're listening to this podcast, please don't go to India, okay? Back out of the deal if it's already at an advanced stage. Okay, anyway. Uh, well, actually, one last thing. Like, the Mariners, so they've lost Qual in January. If Cummings leaves now, look, it looks like, look, let's read between the lines of these comments. He's, he's probably... He's, I'd say he's 90% sure to leave Jason Cummings, right? So there's two of your, you know, uh, prom- prominent attackers in the past kind of uh, 18 months gone. So, and if you go back and you look, so after after the 2021 season where they finished third, the Mariners lost Alu Kual, Danny De Silva, Johnny Stenzinas. Then the season after they finished fifth, and then they lost Kai Rolls, Mark Birigidi, Marco Aranya, Oli Bazanich, and Lewis Miller, right? now. It's starting again. Now we know, look, we get it. We know what the Mariners are about. They develop these players, they sell them on, they get a fee. That's how it works. But if I'm a Mariners fan, I'm thinking far out. Like, you know, we're just getting gutted. We're getting gutted. We're getting gutted. Now, I still back them next season with Monty and stuff that, you know, they probably are going to be top six again, or, or at least they're in thereabouts. But it's just frustrating because if they could hold some of these guys for a little bit longer, then you've got the makings of a team that could really push Adelaide United, Melbourne cities, you know, uh, the, these types of teams at the moment.
1: And you'll see some of those makings. I feel like someone like Josh Nisbet, I think he'll be at the Mariners for a very long time. Brian Caltech, I think brought been brought in to be a Mariners player for a very long time, and bring their centre backs up next to him.
0: Well, I'd say Nisbet. see, I disagree with Nisbet. I think he's probably the next one who's gonna either either this summer coming or or next season. It's
1: it's an interesting one because Nisbet's a fantastic footballer, but I I you know what European scouts are going to be like? They take one look at him and go, yeah, he's not going to last few seconds in Europe. It's the too only small. Way, the only way that they'd be able to see, oh, yeah, this guy could compete at our level, is if he goes into a if the young Socceroos camp in the under-23s, mm-hmm. had the chance to play against the European side. So mm-hmm. the only way they're going to see it is if Nisbet works his way into the Socceroos, which I I, I love him. I'd love to see that happen, but I think we pro- there's probably too many people ahead of him for that to happen. But I, I think he'll be at the Mariners for a long time. That's pro- that's kind of my point. But um, mm-hmm. And even you look at the two departures that you mentioned now, Qual possibly Cummings, they've brought in Theoharis and Winslow Halls so they've they've kind of already got those replacements ready made in a way, so it, it's probably not too much to worry about and Mar- we like you said we know what mariners are like they'll even if they even if it's not those two, there will be some sixteen seventeen year old that we've never heard of that will come into the lineup and be like, "Oh, fuck, this guy's pretty good, and you never know they might end up just bringing back ten qual and there we go qual three <laughs> there, point there's there's more of them I know the the next one's at the Wanderers technically, but there's no reason why I can't go back.
0: Yeah, no, that that's true. Look, that's actually a really good point because Harris, Well, Harris was more a guy which they kind of just took a flyer on and said, all right, let's just see. Let's just see what happens here. He had yeah, talent. they took a flyer on because they lost quality and needed someone to cover that spot. No, no, I know you can say it like that, but it felt at the time... It didn't feel at the time like it was, yeah, we we'll are definitely bring this guy in as a replacement. It was more, he's not being used. He's got talent. Let's see if... And that's what the Mariners do. They try and identify those types of signings. Wenzel Hall is technically was more like a kind of replacement because Michael Ruse was definitely going to leave because he wasn't getting game time. Oh, I, so think he was more- hap- I think Michael Ruse wanted out because Wenzel Halls came in. Either way, right. that either way, those two signings, Ruse's departure and Wenzel Hall's coming yeah. on board, were were linked, right? It wasn't yeah, I guess in a way. Yeah, what I'm right. saying is I don't think it's like a case of the Mariners were playing 40 chess and trying to foresee in the future that Cummings is going to leave and went to Hall will be our striker next season. Now, if it turns out like that, then far out. Like that's some pretty good squad building that they're doing there. Um, but you know, it's definitely something that I think going to next season, you know, and going to this summer, they might need us now ha- start having an eye on when they're building their team. We know that they're gonna have the young players coming through, but who knows? Maybe one year you get a bad you get a bad bunch. You just don't get a guy who comes through who's ready yet, or maybe he's a year away. You know what I mean? Um, Thing so is that
1: even when are in that situation, they managed to find him from other clubs. Like I said, you they look for those guys that are being underutilized somewhere else. So there's you never know. There might be a Sydney FC. Well, oh, there's a few players in the Sydney FC ranks that probably would fit the bill. Uh, certain Adrian St. <coughs> <cheater, coughs> yep. Took um, the name out of my Alan, mouth. I don't know if it's Alan or Alex Harbus uh, doing well in the NPL. I think hmm. Wanderers are looking at him as well. But there, there's guys out there that they could take, and there's yep. guys out there that are ready to play at an league level.
0: Yeah. All right, let's um, let's move on then because the other big transfer story for this week uh, reported by Aussie Scout was Jordan Boss to Manchester City. Um, and Aussie Scout has told us that his agent is in Manchester at the moment to uh, to complete the deal. Now, I mean, this is, this is huge uh, for Jordan Boss. And he's a guy who's had an incredible season. He's an incredible talent um both in a physical aspect and the technical aspect. Um, best left back in the league for sure. At his age as well, which is you know, just incredible. And Sokuru's debut recently too. And now things are just going up and up and up. And I mean, yeah, he's obviously as we can probably foresee anyway, but it was also reported by this Scout too that he's likely going to be loaned out if he if he does sign and they get the deal over the line. But I mean huge for for Jordan Boss. And like he's I think I don't think it's a he's too early or anything. I think this guy's this guy's actually he's progressed so quickly that he is kind of just he's become like a mainstay and one of the best players in his position. Like in the space of two seasons, pretty much. Like it's 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 quite incredible.
1: He's done what every Australian wants to see a young player do in a way before they go overseas. You he, want to see him be a star player in the A League. Mm. Playing week in, week out, getting a lot of minutes under your belt, and then kind of trying to make that move. I don't think this move is without its concerns. Um, Man City, look, as much as Aaron Moy worked out, there are other examples where it hasn't. Um, so I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna bring up two. So you you mentioned Aaron Moy just there. Now, technically So Aaron Moy, technically, it didn't actually work. Because not like it did, but he, he worked for him. It worked for it him. It worked for him. It worked for him. And Arzani is obviously the other one, uh, which brings to mind. And
1: no, Arzani was bad luck for me. The two that I'm pointing at that went over there and did sweet bugger all are Luke Bratton and Anthony Caceres. They went over there. But that, that wasn't from to...
0: Melbourne City. That wasn't from Melbourne City. But that was from the A League. True. That's
1: true. what I'm trying to say. Like they yeah. were signed over there. Because
0: I, I was gonna write them down, but then I thought, let's keep this uh, Melbourne City, man no, City. I think, I
1: think it's I think it's relevant though because Still relevant? it was used by their Scouting Networks in Australia. They went over there. Luke Bratton was then stuck in the reserves for Bolton. And Anthony Caceres, I think, spent more time on loan in Dubai. So and they're two players that they come back into their league and they're actually quite good. So there it is with it is with its concerns. There are things that we do need to take into consideration. And one thing I'd actually want to talk about in relation to this, because every time a young player goes to a big club in Europe, it's like, oh, where are they going to get loaned out to? I I'm going to just track back to Grant and for a sec, because obviously Hearts maybe isn't working out for him.
0: Well, apparently they've just got a new manager in, so uh, we'll see if that's going to
1: change. But is there ever a time where it would be acceptable for them to go, okay, we're going to have a a good young player from the A-League go over to Europe, and they're going to spend some time in their reserves. They're going to spend some time in their 23s, Mm. and playing against some of the best players in the world in their own age group, seeing if they can cut it in Europe. Why don't we ever sit there and say,
0: that's fine. Okay. Let, maybe yeah. that's fine. Maybe I, I actually I actually fun. I actually think this is a fantastic point and I totally agree. If Jordan Boss went to Man City and he got put in the Premier League two side, the under 21s I mean, I don't think that's a disaster. The problem is is that basically what every Australian football fan wants is the Conor Metcalf kind of run, the Riley McGree type thing, the Cam Devlin type thing, where they move from A to B in a first team environment and they just pick up where they left off and I but the reality is is that players take different routes to get to where they need to go. Now, I think if we're looking at Jordan Boss's ability right now and what he can be, I think no matter what happens here, I think if all goes well, he is 100% going to be the Socceroos future left back. That's that's without, you know, without question. I mean, who's who's competing for him in that position? Joel King would have been maybe his rival, but Joel King, that just isn't working out at the moment, and he can't get games on, on loan at Sydney FC. Uh, I don't know if that says more about Sydney FC or Joel King. But anyway, point is is that Jordan Boss is in a position at his age where he's developed so quickly that if he goes here and it doesn't work out, he's still got plenty of time to take the out, go somewhere else, and and rejuvenate. That's It's not a problem, right? Um the thing about like if you want to talk about Arzani so that's why Arzani would be a good comparison, maybe for looking at, you know, um the age that you go to Man City, pretty much. But you're right, because Arzani and people forget this, is when he went on loan to Celtic, he actually and this is actually to your point, at the start, he was in there. he was in their reserve sides and their and their youth sides, and he was doing quite well. And then he worked his way in, and then his first game he comes off the bench and he does his ACL. And then that kind of just that doesn't just derail the move, but then it starts to derail your career. And now, Daniel Azani starting to look like just a stock standard A-League player. I
1: see what you're trying to say. Yeah, I'm more talking if Jordan Boz went to Man City and he's doing what Alex Robertson's doing. He's playing week in, week out in the PL2, but then he's also training with the Man City first team squad Mm. under Pep Guardiola with the quality that they have. And it works one of two ways. Either Jordan Boz goes there, he is at a Premier League 2 level and we're like, okay he's still got to play youth football over there before he works his way in. He's yep. in front of world scouts who are looking for players on loan and he takes it out that way. Or he goes over there, he's too good for the Premier League too and it's more likely that the city after six months go, okay, yeah, you definitely need a loan. But he's taking that step into a first-team side in Europe after spending six months there already training with arguably the best squad in the world.
0: True, true. I think the second option would be fine, right? The first option... I don't totally disagree with. What I would say is that he's now on the na- he's now na- 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 a national team player. He's a socceroo. So, and I know Alex Robertson looked good when he made his debut. That's fine. But if you're not playing against grown men week in, week out, and then you want to get selected by the national team, well, then that is kind of a complication there. Now, if you're telling me that he's going to be training with their first team week in, week out, if he does go there and the deal gets over the line, well, then that's different. Maybe you could say, well, he's training with seniors every day, so it shouldn't be that hard for him to basically transfer that into a national team environment, playing against uh, playing against um, fellow senior footballers. But I don't know. There's also something here around you go from, and I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying A League atmospheres are you know world class or anything like that, and it's completely different to to England and stuff like that. But you are also going to a different pressure. Like when you go to play in the Premier League, too, it's not like you're playing in front of thousands of fans and you know you've got the same sort of pressure to get results on you it's a different environment in that sense so yeah it's a good development environment but then how much how much does it really help to keep jordan boss on this same path that he's on if okay. he if he doesn't get regular first team senior football
1: let me ask you this mm-hmm. how important is it for him to be a mainstay in the soccer at this stage of his career
0: no, it is isn't important. It is isn't that's, important. I think that's the biggest. Yeah. Point and I think, think that's to a good point.
1: This. Because look, yeah, he could go over to Europe. Let's just say he does go somewhere where he's going to get first team football. What happens if he? What happens if he? If he flops, we're probably not going to bring him back into Socceroos again. So he's already out of it in that way. But he's in an environment where he's also struggling. If, if it's six months and he has to sit in the reserves and develop into a player that's capable of really pushing for a better side in Europe than what it may be learned out to originally. And you're also forgetting about the fact that maybe it's not just about playing in the reserves, but maybe gets a cup appearance here and there and playing for Man City's first team squad. There's also that opportunity. If he's getting a few um, appearances off the bench and suddenly he's in the shop window to go straight into a championship team and at the Vese team, uh,
0: Belgian side, and that's yeah, the but then, that's but then you want just, yeah, but then but you want that to happen after a while. That's what I'm saying. So here's, here's an example. After a while, yeah, here's an example. Happened? Here's an example which springs to my mind, uh, and he's been involved with the uh, with the with the Ollie is is Cameron Pulpeon. Now I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but he is at Brighton and he plays Premier League two football. And he's been playing Premier League two football for quite a while and doing quite well. Now he's basically in that situation where you've been saying where he gets the kind of the odd cup appearance and stuff like that. But if you're a young player. And you want to progress your career and you want to keep getting better, keep getting better. I'm not saying Premier League two doesn't help you do that. What I'm saying is you might start to get frustrated after a season or two when it's just kind of the same sort of, Oh, I'm still here in the Premier League two and I'm only just getting this kind of, you know, um, what's the, what's the word? I'm looking, I can't think about it right now, but I'm only getting this, um, the carrot dangled. That's what I'm looking for. The carrot dangled of this cup appearance every now and then. Whereas, you could instead, which you're saying anyway, instead actually get that experience a little bit and then go to the championship. Hopefully the championship you want is probably a good a good barometer. Who knows, maybe even Scotland is fine as well. Um and get that regular football.
1: And the thing with Pupion, I think he's now ready to take that step. He's been there yeah. for a while. He yeah. said that. I think now like he's He's had enough appearances off the bench for Brighton doing really, really well in their second squad where they'll now go, okay, we'll sit down with you in July. You're not going to play in the Premier League now Now's your chance to go play senior football somewhere. But he's had to go through that time. And hes I'm pretty sure he's younger than Boss. So he's had even more time to think about that sort of stuff. It's its not the end of the world if we have to have a player go through. I'd rather sit there. I'd rather see a player spend six months or a year in the reserves and then play for the Socceroos for the rest of their career then mm-hmm. try and push the senior football somewhere and it completely derails him. I think, yep. and I'm not saying that that's the right move for boss. Maybe he goes to Europe and maybe he goes on, out on loan straight away and it works out. I'm just saying the first thing that was, that came out of that report was, yep, he's going to go to Man City and then he's going to be loaned out. And it's like, well, maybe that's not the right decision. Why not let him sit in the reserves mm-hmm. of Man City? Because the reserves of Man City, is, it's still a good level. We've yep. called up players from there before and you, talk, you mentioned Pupion. I'll be honest. If Pupion was caught up for the soccer tomorrow, I'm not complaining. He's a fantastic baller. So it's not the worst thing in the world if he doesn't get that loan move. I think that's I think we've gonna kind of gotta steer away from that narrative. Not just that's not a dig of you for bringing that up. It's more no no the conversation that's happening no, I in think- the wider football community. I think we've gotta steer away from that and just go, Yep, yeah, get him somewhere where he's gonna develop. Jordan Boss is young. If you go somewhere where he's not where he has to maybe sit there and play against football for a little bit longer. I'd be happy as long as he's developing. That's the key point.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Uh and you made a good point before around how does he need to be soccer who's starting left back right now? No, right? Um but Page
1: is a fantastic footballer.
0: Oh, Bates is doing a great job. Bates is doing fantastic job, right? Um you almost gave me a heart attack at the World <laughs> Cup. So, you know, he's he's doing he's doing very well, but you know, um I think what the issue here is probably the perception of the way we perceive youth leagues and particularly in England. Like We've actually got a lot of Australian kids playing in youth leagues in England. I don't think, I don't think people are actually aware of that. Um, and a lot of these guys, some of them have varying degrees of success. Some of them aren't really playing that much. Some of them are playing week in, week out and they're doing fantastic. Some of them are dual nationals who hopefully, you know, we can make sure that we can lock down at some point in the future. So there's, They're all in different situations. But the main thing here that people need to understand is this isn't about necessarily the club that he's going to or you know what the selling club is doing or he's Asian or whatever. It's about him and what his pathway is, how he develops as a footballer. Now you hope it hasn't been like this in the past, but you hope that because You know, he's going from Melbourne City, he's going to Man City, you know, he'll be aware a bit more around how kind of the clubs want to operate and this that, and the other, you know, and with Man City, I think as well, you know, I think they do a decent job of this anyway from the outside looking in is that they will try and kind of get him in a position where he can, you know, develop and, you know, whether that is for Jordan Boss, it might be in the Premier League too. For Jordan Boss, it might be getting a loan move. You know what I mean? It, it just, you don't know. You don't know. Uh, and we're, we're going to find that out. We're going to find that can out. It can just goes I come through. in with a hot take? Sure.
1: You let Jordan Boz develop Man City, whether it be on loan or in their youth squad long enough. By the time he's maybe, let's say 25, mm. he's their starting left back. All right. I, I... see a lot of, <laughs> it's a hot take.
0: It's a hot take. No, it's a hot take because I don't want to look. I don't want to get into this, but I just don't see Man City being that patient with with a player when they could just go and sign one for seventy million. Who, who no, and just that's be, the thing like, Man City well, is the yeah, to do anyway. that.
1: But <laughs> I think he's got the potential to be. And it's we always talk about where are we going to produce these world class players? Like we're struggling to create like a world class winger, a world class striker. I think if there's one area of the pitch that we would do really, with a couple areas of the pitch we do really well, and it's goalkeepers. And I think we've got the potential to do really well in the fullback area because yeah, we've got yeah, players that yeah. have that natural work rate that you need in a modern fullback. And I think Jordan Boz encompasses those kind of Australian ideals of obviously getting your head stuck in working hard. And he also he combines that with a very, very good technical level. And he plays a position that maybe other countries don't produce very well. So I think there's a storm there where if there's anyone I see making a mark at a big club, it probably is Jordan Boss, mainly because, in a way, just the position that he plays and the role that he can do for a team.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Jordan Boss as well. I'm just thinking as well because he's obviously got a Dutch background too. I don't know if there's anything there with him potentially getting loaned out to the Eredivisie or something like that. Who knows? could be a possibility. Um, He was also linked with Besiktas and Gladbach, And I can say right now that Man City, yeah, Man City no, is definitely no, the best. No, you're, no. you're shaking your head, yeah, <laughs> Because Man City is definitely the best option out of those three. My God, if you went to Besiktas, so I would have been like, uh, no, nah. no, 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 no. So
1: it um, wouldn't develop anywhere. Then that's that's a that's yeah. cutthroat as well. And we've had yeah. enough issues with Gladback, so no.
0: Which which ones are
1: they? Uh, Harris Mon- didn't get a look in. Italiano is still kind of struggling in the good sides.
0: He's not struggling. He's doing okay. He's doing okay, Italiano. but he's not yeah, is he looking for the first team.
1: Like He's been there for a while now. You hope at least like a lone move or something like that. That's what I mean. That's what, like, I don't mind playing. But, well, There them. you go.
0: There you go. No, but that's, that's the exact type of situation I'm talking about where it goes on for too long. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And we've had that with Pupion where I think if you don't, if he doesn't get a move this window or an opportunity to be actually be part of Brighton's first team. Yeah. The next, uh, start of next season, then it's an issue. Italiano, I think that moment's passed. I think, yeah, he's dro- or dragged it a bit too long.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, it's interesting, interesting debate. Seriously, if you're listening to this and you're not kind of aware of the Australians in Europe who are playing in those kind of under 21 leagues and stuff, go go look it up. Transfer market, it's easy, you know, and you can uh, you can kind of see what's going on because a lot of guys, a lot of guys who are doing uh, doing a a decent job at the moment uh, over there. All right, Cody, anything uh, you want to say before we uh, before we finish off? Um, to win the World Cup.
1: Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and oh, well, Jordan and Jordan
0: Boston, start for Man City in uh, the Premier League and win the 2034-35 Premier League title.
1: Hey, development's linear. As long as he gets to a position where he actually reaches his potential, I will be a very very happy man. You never know. Will the Matildas win the twenty twenty three World Cup and maybe the soccerers win the twenty thirty two? No, that's Soccer- the Olympics twenty thirty. Yeah, we're going to win the Olympics on home soil.
0: There we if go. the Socceroos win the World Cup at any given stage in my uh, in my lifetime, then my life will be over from a heart attack. I can I can one hundred percent. Oh, uh, I, I, I picture that. myself
1: being like old and grey when the Socceroos finally win the World Cup, and I'll be sitting there in an armchair like I knew it, I knew it was going to happen.
0: I picture myself. Oh wait, I can't picture myself because um, unfortunately, I just don't see it at the moment. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's. It's wishful wrap up. thinking,
1: Christian. It's wishful
0: thinking. let's wrap it up uh front page football uh go check us out on twitter and instagram that's at at, sorry front pg football facebook front page football we're also on linkedin uh tiktok we're also on there uh hopefully um though we don't get like the app gets taken down or something in australia i guess we just won't have the account anymore um so yeah that's all right is that an actual thing i think it's a thing in america isn't it Uh, like i I said america is a weird place i don't like america (laughs) Anyway, uh, most importantly, uh, go check out our website frontpagefootball.net uh, as well. Go check out frontpage. Uh the web, the the website, the episode from earlier this week and uh, stay tuned because on Monday uh, morning we'll have uh, we'll have an A-League uh, pod coming out as well. Uh definitely ramping up with uh, with the finals not uh, not far away. Obviously, A League Women Finals also on uh, this weekend. So make sure you uh, make sure you catch it and don't watch uh, the gather round uh, in the AFL. Um, okay, so just just watch Dub instead. See exactly, Cody's Cody's on the same wavelength here. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Like I said, we'll uh, we'll see you on Monday. Bye for now.